0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Deep Space Nine episode, Battle Lines. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from, including at the StarQuest YouTube channel, where you should also make sure to get the, hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. And another show on the network that I'm sure you'll enjoy if you subscribe is called Secrets of Technology, where we talk about the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And you can find that also wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. So we are talking about this Deep Space Nine first season episode called Battle Lines. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens?
1: Pope John Paul II comes to the station because of a private revelation of the Virgin Mary. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Kai Opaka, the original good Kai, comes to the station because of private revelations from the prophets. She keeps it to herself, but she knows that she won't be going back to Bajor. Sisko indulges her desire to see the wormhole, and they take a runabout through, the, uh, through into the Gamma Quadrant For a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. (laughs) But the space weather starts getting rough when a satellite defense system around a moon attacks them, and the tiny ship is not only tossed, it crash-lands on the planet, and the Kai is killed in the crash, but she mysteriously comes back to life. It turns out that the moon is a prison colony where an unknown alien race has confined two tribes of their people as punishment for their continual warfare with each other. Cisco is willing to transport the prisoners off-world when rescue comes from the station, but the leaders of the Warring Tribes hate each other so much that they don't take the offer seriously. Turns out their race's attitude was, If y'all enjoy continual warfare with each other so much, you can have it forever. So, they seeded the planet with artificial microbes that will repeatedly bring them back to life. But to keep them on the planet, the microbes will die, and so will their hosts if they're taken off the moon. This means that Sisko can't take either the prisoners or the Kai off the moon. And the Kai is okay with that, though, because she recognizes it as the will of the prophets to have her stay on this moon and help the two warring tribes start moving beyond their mutual hatred. The end. So,
0: just, I want to start by kind of Mentioning just how the contrast between Kai Opaka and Kai Wynn. Like, they are mm-hmm. polar opposites. Opaka is beloved. Everyone leaps to greet her when she arrives. You know, Kai Wynn, whenever Kai Win shows up on the station, eventually, it's like you can see Cisco uh, and Nereese Nuri- both, like, kind of Ooh, cringe. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, Kai Wynn is better for the drama, but man, she's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <Like Opaka. laughs> this this uh. is
1: like only the second time. Now, she. this is the second time Kai Opaka appears. And mm-hmm. it's the other than the pilot episode, which she's barely in. This is mm-hmm. the only episode where she plays a significant role. And it's the only time we see her in the flesh uh, mm-hmm. in, in the series after the pilot. She will appear like in a couple of orb visions, but mm-hmm. that's it. And we never see her again. Even though she says at the end of this one, your paw and mine will cross again. Well, they don't, yeah. Um, yeah. which is really unfortunate because this is a good character. I like Kaiopaka a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, unfortunately, we introduce her in the pilot and we get this episode. And so it's like, hello, I must be going. <laughs> yeah. And it's just such an opportunity lost. There's so much they could have done with this character. Um, that they didn't. I mean, imagine her being around for like the first season, end of first season conflict with Keiko O'Brien about are the prophets gods or just wormhole aliens. Right. You know, Opaka wouldn't have been the shrieking fundamentalist that Win was, and and as challenging as it might be for someone, would have come up with a way of holding both you know, aspects of the question intention with each other. And it would have been so much more interesting than shrieking fundamentalist versus enlightened Starfleet person. Right. Right. And there are loads of other things that could have been done because Opaka is a fundamentally good character. And that means that she is in the same position as the main cast in struggling with a problem. You know, you you have weekly antagonists coming on here, but having the Bajoran spiritual leader, at least for a while, for a couple of, mm-hmm. you'll know, say three seasons, having her be in the same position as the main cast in trying to solve a problem right. would be very interesting. And then the sacrifice of the character would have been all the more meaningful. Right. But the sacrifice is next to meaningless if we don't know this character yet, and
2: we don't. And there, there's there's a note on on Memory Alpha, um, the wiki, about how they realized that her character is one that could be disposable. That they you know when they were writing this or working on this episode, and I wonder if they were st- you know they're starting to think you know we want to have the Kai figure to be the uh, antagonist, antagonist. Mm-hmm. and they looked at this character and said this is such a good character, this is such a character that could be very easily beloved. We don't want to make this character the antagonist. So let's create a new Kai who isn't quite so gentle and caring and flew over the cuckoo's nest. By the way, the the actress who played Kai Wynn was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, if yes. people didn't know Nurse that. Ratchet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's, let's, oh, Kai let's make it. Yes, Kai Wynn was. I was thinking, wait, wait yeah. was Opaka in that? No, no, <laughs> Kai Wynn. Uh, but, but they... Uh, they just—we need to have a different character in this position.
0: It's Deep Space Nine as having religion being a important element in the storyline was such an opportunity for mm-hmm. science fiction. It was, and it was great. I'm glad that they did mm-hmm. that, and that it's not just dismissed. But they went—they we, decided we didn't to have fall back.
1: Comparable in- until Ron Moore's uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot.
0: Right. 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 Uh, although yeah yes uh, agree although um, Babylon Five had religion as well it had a bit. elements yeah. it had elements yeah. but it wasn't
1: a
2: central tenet of the show right and it but wasn't a,
1: this is something here is real which yes. we have in both in both uh, Deep Space Nine and in um, Battlestar, uh, Battlestar Galactica
0: but they unfortunately fell back into the tropes of you know religious leaders tend to be hypocrites and mm-hmm. let's just make them that and so there are very few. Religious leaders among the Bajoran people who are not, don't end up being fundamentally hypocritical about their faith, whether they're they, just jerks or like, or fundamentalists or, or they end like, up um, dead,
1: like Vedic Bariol.
0: Yeah. But even he was somewhat, he was a, he was a skeptic. Like he was sort of a, he was questioning. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a, basically a heterodox <laughs> priest of the Bajoran religion. Uh, and, and it was just like, Opaka could have. Rep- I mean, it's not that you can't have those characters, but you you kind have at least one who is yeah. believes and is good and follows a faith and is holy according to those tenets. The closest nice. thing we
1: have to that is Kira, and yeah. and she is an imperfect
2: model for that. Right? She, she's what we would call a, a person in the pew. I mean, an average person in the pew. You know? Yeah,
1: she's not a leader.
2: Right. Right. So.
1: In any case. So so, uh, so she's like the construction worker who goes out for a beer after committing acts of terrorism for years, it seems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I do like uh, the fact that uh, when she finally gets to see her file that the Cardassians, the Gildicott, <laughs> had been keeping on her, she's offended that they, they describe her as being a minor uh, member of. <laughs>
1: minor? Minor,
0: yeah, whose duties are <laughs>
1: limited to just like running errands for the leaders. <laughs> yep. Which, you, you given later on the, how
0: Ducat talks about Kira, you wonder if you want to retcon it if he. Edited the file that he left behind just to tweak just, her.
2: Yeah, could when be. she found it. <laughs> now they don't say that was Ducat, but they say the previous prefect, who we know was Ducat, was Dukat, but it was yeah, just, yeah. yeah I, I could see him doing that. Like, oh, she's gonna hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it that it, it would be. It's kind of funny to, to think about that.
1: By the way, I wanted to um, comment on one other aspect of lost potential with Apaka. Mm-hmm. Um, because she and Cisco, just like Cisco and Dukat, have a special relationship. Cisco and the Kai, whoever the Kai is, have a special relationship because he's the mm-hmm. emissary. She's the Kai. Mm-hmm. And imagine um, how much more interesting it would have. And they 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 didn't really fulfill uh, Cisco's role as the emissary. I mean, they did bring it in at the end but they didn't explore its potential. What they should have done and what Babylon 5 would have done is give us some prophecies early on about what the emissary would do that we would then later see fulfilled or dealt with in one way or another. And they never Mm -hmm. did that, which they should have. But imagine that we had Opaka for the first two or three seasons as Cisco is learning to tentatively accept and not very comfortably his role as the emissary. Mm-hmm. And just when he gets comfortable with it and with Kaiopaka, wham, he gets Kai Winn and yeah, yeah. has to relearn to deal with this all over. And maybe I'm not the emissary or don't want to be the emissary. If I've got to deal with this person. Yeah.
0: And that later episode where he, a, another, a Bajoran shows up who claims also to be the emissary and, he has to deal with. Wait, what are my feelings about not being the emissary mm-hmm, anymore? Mm-hmm. That would have made that even more interesting. That that conflict there. So, yeah, I, I agree. That yeah. would be an interesting potential. So, in any case, Opaka is aboard Deep Space Nine for the first time. Unexpectedly, uh, she wants to see the wormhole. Uh, you know, she goes to a viewport to see where. It,
1: would be in space but you're not going to see it i love the passive aggressive way she she maneuvers cisco in this it's like oh well the wormhole would be out this window but there's nothing scheduled to go through it today and she just kind of smiles and looks at cisco and it's like (laughs) i'm sure something can be arranged (laughs) (laughs) i love that how she just
0: it's all it takes is a look it's like a mom you know just she looks at you like, oh, or a wife, because I've had that happen too. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me do that for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and she, they even comment that she had never been off Bajor, Bajor before. hmm. Yes. Before that, so like, i mean. been off
0: the planet. Yeah. So, and also in the same scene, you have this the early season socially clueless Bashir mm-hmm, <laughs> who mm-hmm. just jumps in and volunteers himself to be invited on the trip. Cause, like, cause we're going like to need come a,
1: along. We need a doctor later on. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's that, uh, it's interesting the, the the different kind of Bashir we get in this first season. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of clueless. I, uh, I like in the scene where they're getting ready to go through the wormhole and um, the Kai turns to O'Brien and says, you have a child, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I have a daughter. Please give this to her. And she takes off her necklace and get, hands it to him with no explanation. Yeah. And it's like, uh-oh, sign of suicidal ideation. <laughs> and, Get rid of your possessions, and <laughs> sh- and it's like, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. She's not planning yeah. on coming back. Yeah, on, it was. On the other hand, imagine how treasured that would be. Yes, you know that necklace. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole. Uh, I mean, marketers figured out correctly that limited time free stuff, where you know there's very where there's artificially constricted um, uh, supply. Mm -hmm. you know you only get this for a limited time but it's free and it's religious that that that's good marketing that's what makes (laughs) ash wednesday such a marketing triumph people (laughs) will show up on ash wednesday who don't show up the rest of the time just so they can get the free stuff the ashes on the foreheads
2: and palm sunday (laughs) too palm sunday too
1: yep yep gotta get those palms
0: uh, I mean, in a way, it's kind of a relic uh, of the uh, mm-hmm. of the Opaka mm-hmm. who yeah, probably it's a sec- second class relic. Yeah, so good for good for Molly. Hold on to that. Who? Yeah. So, in any case, um, as she they're going through the wormhole, she has this thing for this. She says to to uh, Cisco, she says, uh, "Prophecy can often be vague, Commander. That's why we must test it." Which is interesting, as she says. So she's apparently received this prophecy. And has decided to go test it to to, to follow through. What mm-hmm. is it? What is this calling me? See if it happens.
1: Because ne- she yeah. she at one point like lets them say, okay, let's go back to the station, and then something happens to stop that, and so yes. that's her testing the prophecy.
0: I also like that they don't come right out and tell us I had this prophecy and it said this. Like we we just kind of get a sense of the, what the the outlines of what the prophecy must have been, but they don't they kind of respect the audience a little we'll
1: we'll figure it out you know Mm -hmm. i i appreciate that they uh, an aspect of that i i also don't like how coy they are about it until right at the end Mm -hmm. um i i think that the kai should have been a little more forthcoming um about what's going on here because it comes off as she's too coy and in fact, that fits into a larger criticism I have of this episode, which is the Kai is too disengaged. Mm. She shows up at the beginning. Now, she has some good scenes. The opening scene where they're giving her the tour and she gives up the necklace and stuff and she maneuvers Cisco into taking her through the wormhole. All that's good, but it's very understated. And mm-hmm. then when they're going through the wormhole, this is like a religious experience for her. And so she is appropriately awed by it. And that's good. But then she's, she, those, that's pretty thin stuff. For an episode devoted to this character, she has almost no agency in it. Right. She's the MacGuffin that they're escorting through all this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's not until 15 minutes before the end of the episode that she finally has some agency and she Kira who has been extremely insubordinate to Cisco <laughs> yeah. in this episode I mean just wow he's repeatedly told her to shut up and she won't um mm. in front of the aliens and she's Kira has been extremely insubordinate and 15 minutes before the end of the episode Kira and the Kai are alone in a cave and the Kai takes the initiative to give Kira some counseling about being able to let go of anger and things like that. And, okay, finally, the Kai does something. And right. that's it. And then we get this closing scene that's, again, it's an okay scene with the Kai, where she accepts her fate and explains it from her perspective. But the, she has next to no agency in this. And for yeah. an episode, I I don't want to see a, a, a living MacGuffin as the Focus of an episode. I want a character with agency. I want to see why the Kai is the person to be in this situation. I don't want to just infer it. She should have been negotiating Mm. with these uh, warriors alongside Cisco.
0: Or primarily, uh, you know, over Cisco. Yeah. It it would have given her decisions, her sacrifice, and all of that much more weight. Uh, You know, why is she important here? Um, So speaking of the kai and kira you know when when opaka is killed in the crash we get this scene where kira intensely grieves and like mm-hmm. you said it's hard to fi- feel that is earned because we have we this is the second time we've seen this character and we get that kira is very religious but i i feel like it was we we're supposed to feel something in that moment that we we may, might not because it's just sort of Unearned that well, that moment.
2: They did the uh, they did the tell don't show mistake. Yeah. Where they told us that Kai Opaka was this very beloved leader throughout the entire religious leader throughout the entire occupation, yeah. and that's why she was like you know, she John was so Paul important. The
1: Se- she was like John Paul II for Polish people during the exactly. during the uh Soviet occupation.
2: Right. Exactly. But they don't we don't see that. I mean we can see in the character where she could be that, but we don't we don't know that other than we were told that she was, you know. And again, it was kind of a throwaway line of, oh yes, well she was so beloved during you know occupation and such an honor that she's here at the station or something along that lines. I wonder if she was
0: intentionally modeled on John Paul because this is 1993. Mm-hmm. The Soviet Union just fell. Could have been a lot of people were attributing him to you know his
1: intervention, intervention
0: yep. into for, for, being key to that. Um that would be interesting to to see.
1: Yeah, I think I think she is a reflection of John Paul II in various ways. But I agree with you that this is also new and they've done so little with this character that it robs it of the full impact. Mm-hmm. I had an easier time accepting Kira's grief, but that's because I've seen seven seasons of Kira. I know yeah. who Kira's yeah. character is. I know why this Kai would be important to Kira, and I can infer it, but if I was watching this for the first time, it would not ring as powerfully as it does if you know these ki- if you know Kira right yep.
0: right so let's talk about the uh oh, the, by the, the, people by the way, this- I love how yep.
1: Kira is concerned about what the Pope's impression of her is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's really, she's insecure about the fact that she's this former terrorist, and she does not want the, the Kai to see her as just a violent person.
0: Right. Does the, that scene that you mentioned, where the Kai kind of counsels her, and she's like, Opaka says, the reason you are so you're insubordinate and trying to help these people is you see yourself in them, and... Ka- and Kira's trying to convince Opaka that she's no longer that violent freedom fighter, that she's a person without a conscience or a soul. But Opaka does that feeling her paw thing where she grabs her earlobe. Yeah, they and do the Kira thing. just melts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they originally, so I was doing some background reading, and originally the Kai was gonna be male, and you were gonna and I'm so glad they changed all of this. But originally yeah. the Kai was gonna be male and he was gonna be arrogant, he was gonna be more like win. And, um, and you were gonna, if you were visiting him, you would have to, uh, take off your clothes and, as a sign of respect and then let him do deep tissue massage on your feet to do the paw thing. And, um, um how would you do this on TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a little ahead of Enterprise's time, but they basically did that on Enterprise. Um, so uh, so I'm so glad that they changed all that. It's much better to just grab somebody's ear than make them was take it? off their clothes and then feel their feet. Did was, was Gene Roddenberry somebody, write that? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there, there's,
2: somebody's thing had to do with feet, I think. Yeah. I don't know. That's
0: very odd. Well, in any case, Kai's advice is tell it. Do not deny the violence in you because only by accepting who you are can you move beyond it. So that's sort of the the 12 step sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, do not deny who you are, accept and then move on. And then um, she says that uh, Bejar has much to learn from peace. You know, you have to you have, we have to become peacemakers. And Kira says I'm afraid the prophets won't forgive me. And Opaka says well, the the prophets are waiting for you to forgive yourself, and that's a that's an interesting, you know, a, a spiritual advice. You know, uh, I'm afraid God won't forgive me. Well, y- the first step is is to 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 be able to forgive yourself, and then ask for forgiveness.
1: Yeah, thank you, Hallmark cards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, no, but there is a there is a truth in that. Like, there if is a you, truth
1: in that, but it gets yeah. it gets expressed in ways that are sometimes not optimized
2: and you know and i mean we would we would say it's not so much you know forgiving yourself as it is you know wrecking like he's mentioned the 12 step you know, recognize that your own faults your own failings your own shortcomings and then being open to receiving the forgiveness for them
0: right being well being willing to accept forgiveness, being willing right. to acknowledge that you can be forgiven. And I think that's,
1: right. that's a good I way think to that's where it. Kira's at. Yeah. Yeah. The, the key to getting God to forgive you is not forgiving yourself. That's not the, mm-hmm. Jesus didn't right. come and, and announce the good news that it's okay to forgive yourself. <laughs> it's kind of a, no, yeah. But yeah. there is an element where, okay, God is willing to forgive you. Now suck it up and forgive yourself too. Yeah. Right.
0: And I, I, I mean, that's, it, you, you could say that that's kind of what Kai is saying is, is like, <clears throat> you need to forgive yourself. The the prophets, or in, you know, in this case, mm-hmm. have, have forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. And that's why you can't accept that you've been forgiven. So right. th- 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 that would be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about the Ennis and the Nolennis and this, these two warring factions, these two tribes. Interesting the names. They are the Ennis and the Nolennis. And it sort of takes me back to that uh t- the original series episode where they had the people who are white on one side and black on the other Let side that of their face your last
1: battlefield thank you
0: uh and
1: uh and how and don't spoil ex- that one too much for father cory he hasn't yeah, seen it yet
0: no no i won't spoil it but uh but there's this the, the the from the outside it looks like there's not you know they're almost virtually identical from well, the outside but clo- for them they're the
1: same species it's just they're wearing right. different uniforms
0: but even down to their names. They're the Ennis and you know, almost the not Ennis. You know, the yeah. these people and the not these people. And from, you know, a Starfleet Federation point of view, why are you guys so hating each other? That just it doesn't make sense to us as a viewers. Like we don't know why they hate each other so much. And given that it's been so long, they don't even necessarily remember why they hate each other so much. They just want to kill each other. Uh mm. so they've kind of set up this senseless war uh by the way, I want to call out the uh, leader of the NS is uh, Golan Shella, played by uh, Jonathan Banks, who is if you might recognize him from as being a uh, Mike from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He who is he's mm-hmm. excellent in the, in those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, yep. he's such a great actor, and I think he does a really good job here. I really like him. He's he's a uh, one mm-hmm. of those guys who shows up a lot in uh, as guest spots, yeah.
1: but. Um, by the way, yeah, so, n- notice mm-hmm. how this is a, I mean, and this is not terrible, but notice this is a very tropey conflict yes, where mm-hmm. they just hate each other so much that they can't think straight and they don't even remember how it got started. Well, some say it was land and some say it was this. And Okay, in the real world, um, people who really hate each other know the basics of why they hate each other and Mm -hmm. will cite specific events as the cause, even if those events never happened because people need a cause to justify why we hate these other people so much. And so like when, after the Soviet union fell, when, uh, when Yugoslavia was falling apart, people were still in like Bosnia and places like that were, um, bringing up, Battles and atrocities that occurred eight hundred years ago oh, as yeah. the reason why we're fighting now, and so right. like these people are re- have this memory that reaches back over a thousand, you know going on a thousand years for yeah. this is why we're killing each other today. It's because of this thing their distant ancestors did eight hundred years ago, and in in reality, the Ennis and the Nolanis would have yep. comparable right uh, things that they could cite as, as reasons why they're fighting and who struck first and who's the bad guy.
0: Yeah. Some bin Laden a call, kept calling us the crusaders. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, pretty, mm-hmm. that's reaching back pretty far. So, and it, there's also some other, uh, echoes of original series. We have the day of the dove where the warring sides cannot truly die. If they get killed in battle, they are reanimated. Um, in this case, it's a biomechanical technology that's reanimating them. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, so they uh, and they what a, they don't explain it as clearly as I did in the intro, but yeah, mm-hmm. it it makes sense as okay this is a prison you don't want people getting out of the prison make the microbes you're using to keep them alive so that they only live on this planet yep. yes. so they you prisoners cannot get off the planet
0: it's a it's a twisted punishment
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding that's it's, it's a hardcore which which, um, which also brings up. Um, cisco's willingness to do a jailbreak because at first he's like i'll transport both of y'all off if you want and it's like dude is that starfleet really i mean you (laughs) you, and and they they do bring it up i mean dr Bashir Mm -hmm. talks to Bashir talks to cisco about it and cisco shuts him down really fast and says i don't need you to interpret the prime directive to me thank you Um, And then he gives some made-up justification that I don't fully buy for why it's okay to do this, to steal these prisoners off the prison planet, Um, because even if it's immoral that they're being kept here, you're not supposed to be making moral judgments about alien species and their ways, and this is a new race you have never encountered in the Gamma Quadrant about whose strategic balance of powers you know nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you go over there and do the wrong thing, and I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe you could start a devastating war. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and Cisco's not taking any of that into account. So I don't think the first people you've met in th- going into the Gamma Quadrant and finding the first inhabited body and doing a jailbreak without even consulting Starfleet is the uh, is an appropriate use of his command authority?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they they're constantly violating the prime directive in Star Trek. I mean, that's just one of the yeah, kind of the it's cliches of Star rule. Trek, right? Yeah, but and, and they do, but he, doing the moral thing. But because the moral thing says ignore it. Yeah, well, <laughs> even
1: in real politics, though, would you would say do not go into someone's territory and jailbreak a prison? You know, just don't don't do that. That's not the way to build interplanetary or international uh, mm-hmm. relations.
0: Right. And in fact, the solution here is not just to get these people off the planet. The solution is what Kai does, which is find peace, negotiate peace, bring about peace. Look, like, this is a, a presumably a planet, which presumably is inhabitable in multiple places. Like, okay, you guys go over here in your room. <laughs> And you guys yeah. go over there in that, in that well, room,
2: and this is what the parrot does. You separate them. And they, they even said that you know both sides had many more people than we saw that were hiding somewhere. Yeah. Because they kept talking about, bring out all your people. And right. And so, okay, yeah, like you said, yeah, you guys go on this side, you guys go on that side. <laughs> well, and
0: presumably, like, again, all those if, if if another runabout comes, there's no way they're all fitting on a runabout, like even yeah. just the people we see so they well it,
1: but you could you, evacuate
2: them in stages right I mean, you'd
0: have to bring other ships or whatever but yeah it's like so uh, yeah i don't know maybe there would be I consultation mean there, but there
2: are obvious headcanons you can throw in here only this part of the planet is habitable or you know this this yeah. one of these planets that it's tidal locked around its sun or whatever and it's host planet because it's a moon yeah, right. or host planet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, that, that they're there's, intentionally dropped here and, and artificially constrained so that they have to remain in
2: conflict. But that's that's all headcanon. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely nothing headcanon. in the story that supports that.
0: Right. So meanwhile, O'Brien and Dax have noticed that they are overdue and haven't reported in, so they go looking for them in another runabout. And it's like, why don't they get the same readings that drew yeah. Cisco and Kira to the planet that, that they did and said they have to go on the needle in a haystack? I, bl- I uh, wondered search.
1: about that. And I think that they hint at the answer in the script because mm-hmm. the initial readings that draw um, Cisco and the Kai to the planet is a data transmission from a broken satellite in the network that is in the process of being repaired. So presumably by the time Dax and O'Brien get there, it's been repaired and it's, and the satellite network is no longer leaking those data transmissions. Um, The, I, 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 and I find it intensely amusing that when they discover the satellite network, they don't, the writers don't feel comfortable enough just saying to the audience, it's a satellite network. So they have to have O'Brien say, it's some kind of artificial satellite system <laughs> and almost all of those words are unnecessary you could just you could just say it's a satellite network or even if you want to if you want to communicate that it's uh you know um that it's an aggressive one you could say it's a satellite defense network or even mm-hmm. it's the planetary defense grid and you wouldn't have to worry about unpacking that for yeah. people today in
0: 1993 yeah. we all knew about these the sdi star wars yeah you know, the the satellite well, defense star, network
2: within star trek by this time they'd had you know satellite defense grids and things like yeah that. heck right. if you wanted to dumb it down just say it's a bunch of attack satellites yeah i mean you don't even have to get into grid and network
0: <laughs> right <laughs> so uh Meanwhile, Bashir manages to get the runabout's computers working, which uh, is this evidence of his genetic engineering and his superior intellect? Because he's just a doctor. But, uh, yeah,
1: never mind. That's a little more headcanon. So, uh, the... You know, I, the, was, I, was, I was reading, uh, uh, or not reading, but I was um, hearing about when they made the decision to have Bashir be genetically enhanced. hmm And which I think was a great decision. It really yep. helped his character a lot. But uh, Alexander Siddig was not happy when he first learned about it. Not because of the decision itself, but because they made it like on the spur of the moment. And he had not been playing the character as I'm hiding the fact I'm secretly genetically enhanced. Right. Right. And he would have wanted more time to build that into his performance before the reveal but and, yeah. and i agree telling the character look you're hiding a desperate secret you know just incorporate that somehow that would that would have enhanced the setup for it on a certain yeah. level but i'm just i'm even if they didn't give him enough lead time to build that in i'm just glad they did it because it 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 explains mm-hmm. so much about him and it yeah. increases his character potential so much
0: yeah they made up for that a little bit by the the Quality of the writing, how they wrote that episode, mm-hmm. which explains some of some of his his uh, stuff from earlier.
1: That's also the thing about being really smart is you can hide, you know, the fact that you are smarter than you are. Mm. Yes, yes, that's that's true. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what I said just made no sense. I I, I, I yep. assume some listeners would would get that. Yeah, um, uh, you, no, you, I you thinking, cannot yeah. hide the fact that you're smarter than you really are. Um, yeah. you can hide the fact that you're smarter than you appear, which Columbo yes. and the second doctor and various other people do regularly.
0: That's true. That's true. So uh, the leader of the Noel Ennis, when, when the, he's given Cisco's idea to bring everybody out for a negotiation, he thinks it's a, a trap. It's a ruse to get all his people out of hiding so that he can be killed. But I'm thinking, but you can't die. So what's the point of that? Like. Mm-hmm. Like, because we're keeping score? Because you've killed our side more than your side? Like, <laughs> like, what? You know, I mean, I suppose you don't want people to suffer. It's more pain, I guess. But Yeah, it's presumably like, why,
1: why, it doesn't appear to be fun to die yeah. for these mm-hmm. people. So it's like, even if they'd come back, it's like, I'd rather, do I have to do that today?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Except they keep attacking. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to die, and, and they seem to be very inept in their <laughs> attacking, like... They that they a lot of them get killed because you know well, they, the, they, they, they don't use they tactics kinda, anymore.
2: Yeah, as to say they called that out and basically said, you know, we yeah we did tactics and we just found out it didn't matter because they just come back.
0: Right. So yeah, I I think there's
1: a flaw in the writing in the scene, in the negotiation scene because you've got Shala, the leader of the Ennis, pretty much on Cisco's side at this mm-hmm. point and wanting to explore this idea, at least the way it's conveyed to the audience, he's on board with the idea of let's jailbreak. And mm-hmm. and and they want to convince the leader of the other guys to jailbreak with them. And um and Shella seems to be helping Cisco to try to convince the other guy who is disbelieving that this is a real right. thing and thinks it's all some kind of trick. And and then at a certain point, Shella just like throws in the towel and says, as if I'd let any gnaw in us off this planet alive. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and he doesn't laugh. But he seems to, this seems, this is inconsistent writing. They haven't built up, they have portrayed him as too favorable to Cisco mm. and his plan and the possibility of freedom to just mm-hmm. ditch it like that. It's it's right. it's an inconsistency in the character's motivations. Uh because they neither, I mean, you could say that was all an elaborate ruse up to this point because I just want to get close to you, Nolanina, so I can kill you all again for today. But why who cares if I mean if they really are immortal and if he's really not interested in getting off planet, who cares? Yeah, right. There's a motivation problem there, and if he's changing his mind, they don't give us reason for him to change his mind. And if this mm-hmm. is all a ruse on his part, it's they don't give us justification for it being all a ruse either.
0: Right. Yeah. That is. Yeah. That is a flaw.
2: I, I guess I just kind of took it. He's like, well, fine. You don't want to do this, then I then I give up. I don't care. <laughs> <You>
1: know, <laughs> well, it I, then been, I'll kill you again. Anyways, it would have been nice if he said that. Yeah. Yeah
2: i agree i mean i agree with you i mean it was bad writing but that's that's kind of how i took it he's just like fine if, if you're not gonna go along with this then i kill you you know it's yep. that simple <laughs> so
0: bashir discovers that death is a trap that these biomechanical engineering these nanites um are only uh working on on the planet within the atmosphere of this planet and so they they realize that opaka can't leave but before they could tell her this She's already decided that she's not going to leave, but that because she's going to stay and help these people find peace.
1: Yeah, and that's a nice move. It's nice to have her ahead of the game, so they're mm-hmm. not. We were spared the "we've got some bad news" conversation, and right. she's she's on top of it. I mean, that's a that's some agency there. I like that. That's good. What's so, a what I yeah I find implausible, and they could have I think done a better job with is these planet specific microbes mm-hmm. because how does Bashir know they're planet specific if he hasn't tried taking any of them off the planet? I could <laughs> I could I'm, 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 that's a serious question. I'm not yeah. dismissing it because I can imagine he's getting tricorder readings or you know, he uses the runabouts computer. He can be getting readings that say, these microbes need element X in their in their mm-hmm. diet or they will die and element X is super rare and is only found on this moon or similar moons and I'm going right. okay great if it's if it's some it needs to be something obvious like that for him to have detected mm-hmm. it The problem is if it's something obvious like that just feed them element X once you get back to the station Yeah right You know, I mean, you you can create artificial environments to grow your microbes in, and give people daily microbe Mm. injections if you need.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's not. Yeah, it's not explained well. So one thing Bashir does uh, promote uh, propose though is that we could turn off the microbes and let them all die. Would that be the moral (laughs) choice, though? Kill them all now. I love this doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it is it
2: killing them I, or is it just letting them die live see, out? I, I I got the I got the impression he presented it as the next time you die, that's it. It won't resurrect. Yeah. That's what you. I got. yeah. Okay. I so, know which
1: which I I got a little bit more as if we take them, they will die as meaning like uh, quickly, not instant. just live out mm-hmm. a normal mm-hmm. lifespan. Because if well, it was because see- it, if it's we're gonna take the Kai off the planet and she's gonna live a normal lifespan. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we were going to do anyway. The microbes aren't having any effect on the plot unless you die immediately upon being taken off the planet.
2: Well, and yeah. she, he didn't say that they were going to take the microbes. They were going to reprogram them. Right. That they would not re- resurrect. So the right. microbes would still be there keeping them alive until the next time they die.
0: I guess that does make a difference in whether it would be moral or not to turn it off. So if if you turn it off and they die, then that would be immoral. But- yeah if you're turning it off so that they can live out a natural lifespan, that would be different, I guess. So, in any case, Shelah wants him to do it. Um, And Kira disbelieves that the fear of death will end the fighting because it hasn't done so in other wars, but I'm thinking, yeah, but in other wars, the soldiers (laughs) didn't experience death first. (laughs) So, yeah, it might make a difference here. Um, But in any case, Shalah just wants to be able to kill his enemies once and for all. And That's how we end it. We don't end it with them all like holding hands and singing "Kumbaya" and we're all at peace now because the the Kaya Mm -hmm. stayed with us. It's open ended. Like we don't know whether you know. We kind of hope that what she does will end the fighting, but we don't know for sure. So I kind of like that they leave it open ended like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, Father Corey, any last uh, thoughts on this episode?
1: No. How about you, Jimmy? No. uh, I I uh, I I like. Uh, Kaiopaka, she has some good scenes in this um i wish that we had gotten more with her both in general like i said i would have kept her around for a, at least two seasons um mm-hmm. and given her a lot more agency but she is okay. a great character her the act, performance by the actress is really great and uh i wish we had more screen time with Kaiopaka. okay excellent
0: So as we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Dennis B., Christopher P., Thomas V., Leonides S., and Megan S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of this episode of D Space Nine called Battle Lines. You can comment on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Voyager episode, Day of Honor. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom.
1: And Jimmy Akin, thank you as well. Thank you, and uh, by the way, the next time that we return to Deep Space Nine, it's the storyteller. Oh, I noticed that too. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, till then, live long and prosper, even if it's through microbes that keep rebooting you. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek
0: on StarQuest. And remember, when you cease to fear death, the rules of war change.